0: Today's scripture is from Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. And it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit, the poison of vipers is on their lips, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood, ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sins.
1: Morning again. Uh, it's good to be here and good to have everybody here with us this morning. Uh I wanted to take a second, uh, because there were, were no uh, really public opportunities to uh, to uh, uh, mourn with the uh, Schwarm family, I wanted just to share with you a couple very positive highlights of uh, Twelva's last days. Uh, her, uh, her last Sunday in the hospital, uh, we, I'd been called to, to be there, and I held up. Um, the prayers. I held up my phone for the Zoom so she could hear Duke's prayer and to hear Caleb's prayer and to hear some of the worship and times together. Uh, Her last meal was uh, uh, the ministry meal for that weekend um, that was served to her. And some of the last gifts that she received were was the Valentine's bag. Um, And Lori Brought each item out of that bag and read each card and and showed her each gift and what a beautiful love that she felt from this congregation and she loved this church greatly so thank you for serving her <clears throat> and um, I know she felt that love I know it um, she said so so many different times and uh, I am very happy that she has uh, received her reward and and uh, and. Got the home that we've all looked looked forward to and right after that we got to spend some time with Yvonne Campbell who turns 98 this coming up here or no she just turned 98 uh, Wilma Watts is turning 98 shortly and uh, um, so lots of lots of older folks around us and uh, we appreciate them so much and I encourage you to continue to reach out to Twelva's family and encourage them and uh, uh, let them know how much you love 12. I would like, it would be nice, uh, I I know Reagan heard this a a few minutes ago, uh, when Caleb announced that uh, it was time for junior worship, uh, Isla went, yes! (laughs) And I wish when somebody said it's time for the sermon, people would go, yes! Can we just practice that once? It's time for the sermon today. Yes! yes. (laughs) Thank you, and I feel good. Isla Isla taught me something that makes me feel good good about today. so anyway, I just wanted to, to share with you some of that information about our, our dear sister. Uh, this morning, as we uh, continue and finish this study about from Romans uh, and uh, no one is righteous, no one is righteous." Um, what a hard commentary and then as Jared read those things, that those, was a very uplifting section of scripture uh, <laughs> as, as, as you heard in, in our in your hearing. But I want us to take us back very quickly to Romans chapter 1 verses 14 to 17, where Paul is reminding us, reminding us uh, something that was very important for us that I think leads us into today. From Romans chapter 1 verses 14 to 17, it says, I am obligated both to the Greeks and the non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish, which I kind of like that line there. Uh, this is, that is why I am eager, eager to preach the gospel also to those of you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Paul was reminding his readers that it is not the law that saves us. It is not the law that brings us to God. The law is helpful. The law was important, but the law is not keeping the law is not what gets us to God. And in fact, the law basically helps us to realize what sin is. And we can realize just how sinful we are. I mean, we can just talk about some of our modern laws, 25 mile an hour speed limit, 20 miles in a uh, school area, 55, 65 on the freeway. How many of us follow that real closely? I have to be honest, I try to do the school, that's very important, important to me, but I sometimes don't do very well with the other, um, especially when everybody else is passing me. <laughs> it makes it hard to, to kind of fall in line. But, but we have to realize that it is God who is righteous. It is God who is, who is faithful to us. And we're going to talk more about that as we enter into this conversation today. So today we are in Romans chapter 3. And um, one of the p- things that points out right at the beginning is that God is always faithful. I, I want you to say that with me. God is always faithful. God is always faithful. And he is faithful because to the Jews because he left them the scriptures. And now we have the scriptures. So whether we are Jews or Gentiles, Greeks or Americans, whoever we are, we have the scriptures and we have that opportunity to be in the word of God. This does not make God unfaithful, but faithful. God is faithful because he keeps to his word and he puts his word in front of us. When people don't believe, does unbelief nullify the faithfulness of God? because people don't believe in God, does that nullify God? Absolutely not. It does not erase God's faithfulness. God is always faithful. It is man who lies and is unfaithful. And that's hard for us to understand. I think that's hard for the world to understand, that God is always faithful. And just because somebody doesn't believe does not nullify God's power and God's, God's work among us. From Psalm 51, it says, "Against you." And you only have I sinned and, and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. So our, our, sin, our sin is against God. It is not against anybody else. It's against God because he has, has, this, has, has the way that we are need, needing to follow. And one person's lie does not nullify the truth. Just because somebody says something or lives a life that is totally against God, that does not nullify what God has said and what God has done. And we should, we should understand that, that God stands and we must follow him, no matter what other people say, no ma- matter what other people do. We are, uh, in our society, the blind follows the blind in so many instances and opportunities. We see that all the time. I... I uh, when I worked for the school district, seems like a long, long, long time ago, I would, I would uh, part of my school district or part of my area was the Finland, uh, kind of the south, the, kind of the bottoms of, of Columbus, around the Frank Road, uh, Brown Road, all of that, that kind of area. And you would see people growing up and you would see that they would not get very far from where they grew up. They would, they would continue to live there. So some, sometimes you would go and this, oh, that's my grandparents. That's my uncle, that's my brother. They all lived right there together. And they never seemed to get, be able to get out of that. And I'll never forget when I moved to Westerville, uh, Flint Barger was his name. He was a middle school kid at when I met him. And he was involved in Young Life and some other uh, Christian activities that we were a part of trying in the Franklin Heights area we were at Lucky House and I kept looking across the room and I I felt like he looked familiar, but it had been a long time. And he came over to me, to my table, he was working at Alliance Data. And he says, I want you to know, I'm. he goes, you know, I'm Flint, do you remember me? And I said, I do remember you. He says, I want you to know that I got out, I got out of the cycle. I got out of the neighborhood that I was in. Um, And now I'm working and I'm, you know, doing well and my family is doing well. And I, I think it's important because sometimes we get caught in that and we get caught in those lies and we get caught in a system in a, in a, in a way that doesn't work. And we think that God is failing when it is us that is, that is failing. Uh, the behavior of believers does not impinge on the faithfulness of God. So many people are discouraged by other, other believers. And uh, I will have to say, I've been discouraged by other believers in my walk. And I have to remember that God is God. I, I can't, I can't. I, the, the people of the world are going, to, and the people around me are going to be discouraging from time to time. And I have to remember that God doesn't change because this person isn't living the way they need to live. God is God. I need to keep my eyes set on God and not the people that are around me. So the behavior of believers does not impinge on the faithfulness of God. And then you hear the world say, look at all the Christians that disagree. Look at this church and this church and this church and this church. They're all, you know, they all have their own people. They all have their own things. Um, And we have more alike. We are more similar than we are not. And we need to realize that, because the look that we give out to the world when we are fighting all these different churches instead of fighting Satan is not a good look. We need to to work together uh, to to reach the world for Christ. The other statement that's made, and I think it shines a light on God unfairly, is that there are so many hypocrites in the church. (laughs) There's so many hypocrites everywhere. Uh, but why is, it, why is it pointed out there are so many hypocrites in the church? And the question is, why am I looking at you? Again, my, my uh, dad's famous line uh, when I would tattle on my brother, or he would tattle on me, is you, know, you need to sweep off your own doorstep before you start on somebody else's, um, which I hated, by the way. Uh, I have mentioned that before. <clears throat> but the, uh, the fact that there's so many hypocrites does not shine a light on who God is. It does not shine a light on who God is. It shines a light on us. It shines a light on each one of us that we're not living up to what God has us to do. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, or chapter 3, verse 3, it says, But the Lord is faithful uh, who will establish you. The Lord is faithful, and he will establish you, and he will guide you if you allow him to do so. So the first one is God is, God is faithful. Let's say it. God is faithful. And the second one is that God is just. God is just. And the next stuff, uh, verses 5 to 8, um, it, it speaks about how God is just, that man's unrighteousness demonstrates God's righteousness. Our sin points out God's righteousness. Because we cannot live uh, without, we cannot do all the things right. We can't follow all of the law. And so if God could not punish man's unrighteousness, God could never judge the world. Because God is righteous, he can judge the unrighteousness. And you and I need to fix our eyes on being righteous, on doing right things, on doing the things that honor God and, and seek him out. Because um, God, God, God is the alone is righteous um, and that would make God unjust if he couldn't judge the world, world because it is wrong to say let us do evil that good may come have you ever heard that let me do this and something good will come out of it nothing good ever comes from evil it just doesn't happen <laughs> evil produces more evil um, and there, there's a conversation we could have and I'm not going to do it here about, you know, sometimes evil people can, good things can happen because of that, and I, I've seen that. Um, but to simply do evil will not bring about goodness in, in, in any way. The activity of evil man does not nullify God's justice. There's so much suffering in the world today. Why does the God allow evil people to do evil things? It's a very interesting conversation and scripture also answers that from uh, Isaiah chapter 30. It says therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you and therefore he will be exalted that he may that he may have mercy on you for the Lord is the God of justice blessed are all those who wait for him The thought there I believe is telling us that God is gracious to us and gives us time He gives us time to to come around and to do the right things He he wants God wishes for no one to perish he would like all to have eternal life. But the reality is there are still those people who shake their fists at God, ignore him and, and disobediently go away from him. And by doing so, they are turning their backs on God. And not that God turns their back on him, but they turn their backs on God. And and so when evil people do evil things, God is, I believe God, this verse helps us to realize, God's giving them time to turn around. God's given them time to, to see the light as, as it were. I think of uh, people in my life, people in my family, who I believe that God has given them, as long as there's breath in their bodies, that they have opportunity to turn to God. They have opportunity to come to the light and to, to do the right things. And I believe that God's given them time, but no doubt, Time will run out for all of us and for all of them at some time. And so we need to make use of the time that God has, has given to us because he has been gracious. And we all know that grace kind of runs out. <laughs> grace kind of stops at some point. Um, sometimes we are very courteous and nice to people and gracious to people who kind of st- step on us. And, and eventually that grace runs out. We, we get, we're, we're done with it. We finish it. So first of all, God is faithful. Second, God is just. And then it only leaves to the third part uh, from chapter three, that man is guilty, that we are guilty. And as, the we, as you were listening to what Jared has, had read for us earlier, it says, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. When you see the world in a mess, when you see your co-workers and and people around you doing as they please, not seeking God, not seeking the good of, of others, you realize that people are not in the path. And we, we, sometimes we can have some, um, we need to have compassion on those pe- people, but sometimes that's very hard to have compassion on those who are so evil and doing wrong in the world around us. And so, we have to be the one who seeks God. And somehow, some way, sometime, they will see God in your life, and hopefully, prayerfully, they can come around to that. And I think we need to remember that we need to pray more for the lost. We need to pray for more for those who are not seeking God. But as I t- spoke in our class this morning, I think you and I need to look a little bit more into our lives, as Christians, about how we need to seek God and to seek and tap into his power and to tap into his, his might. Because I think we're missing a lot of opportunities because of our narrow circumstance, because of our, our, narrow, our um, narrow point of view, uh, our perception of things. We miss it. I love to tell the story, and most of you have heard it, of uh, of uh, going to the, the men's shelter meal and as Vivian and a lot of our folks uh, used to make the sandwiches, bread and butter, peanut butter and jelly, white or wheat. We had all of those all those options. There were four different options and uh, we were serving the meal one night and uh, a, a gentleman in a wheelchair asked uh, for peanut butter and jelly on white. I looked at the box beside me, said peanut butter and jelly, white. So I reached in the box and I handed it to him and he said, that's wheat, I want white. I looked at the box, I looked at the sandwich, it was white. And uh, he goes, that's wheat. And Josh Hodgson <laughs> looked at me, he goes, seriously, you're arguing with a homeless disabled man. I'm like, look at it, it's wheat. And so he says, it's not. Or I said, it's white, and he goes, it's not. I turned it over and the bottom slice was wheat, the top slice was white. We were both right, and we were both wrong. I brought that sandwich on Wednesday night and showed it to Vivian as she was sitting at her seat. I'm like, you got me in all kinds of trouble today, (laughs) yesterday (laughs) at the shelter. But that's our perception. We get this perception of what things is, and we don't see the whole picture. Somehow we have to tap into God's percep- perception of righteousness and faithfulness. Because sometimes we are limited by what we see, and because we're not seeking, seeking Him. Uh, that, that section of verses uh, goes on to say, All have turned away, they have, tur- uh, have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness, and their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. So there's no fear of God in the eyes of of the people of the world. And what the law says, um, it says to those who are under the law, both Jews and Gentiles, but the conclusion is that no flesh will be justified by the deeds of the law. No flesh is able to do that. The law only gives us knowledge of sin. And one person's guilt does not mean that another is innocent. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, it says, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Watch what you say. Remember the little song? Be careful little... Eyes, what you see, what you say, what you what you uh, hear, all those different things. Remembering that our words matter, our words count when we call somebody a fool, when we disparage or discourage somebody, those words all matter and count. And and it's sad to know that we are going to be accounted, where well, we will be accountable for all of those things. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20, it says, The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The, righteous, uh, the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. We don't pay for the sins of our parents, of our friends, of our spouse. Our sins are our sins. We have to deal with our own sin. Um, And we are responsible for that. Nobody else is responsible for the sin that is in my life. I am responsible for that. And I have to humbly come before God and ask for his guidance, his leadership, his discipline, his wisdom to live my life each day. And we each need to do that very same thing. Because our sin, God looks at our sin, he knows it. He knows it. We know it because of the law. Otherwise, uh, we would just live and just do, do whatever we want without the laws. If you, if you think about, sometimes I sit in a traffic light way too long, and I think, what would happen if this light was not here? And the other day, uh, I made a turn and a, a sweet little old lady, for whatever reason, came clear over here. She was coming this way, I was going this way, and she came clear over here between me and these, this other lane to turn onto Schrock Road. And I was I was, I was taken back. <laughs> I was like, that could have been really ugly. And she had no clue. She just was turning. Um, I, on the other hand, had a clue, and was my heart was moving pretty quick. So we have to realize that You know we have to realize that sin is sin, and that we have to watch ourselves, what what we say, what we do, and have to realize that God realizes that He has to do something about sin. So God is faithful, God is just, man is guilty, and God justifies by faith by by faith in Jesus Christ. God's righteousness is is revealed through Jesus Christ in verses 21 to 26. It is witnessed by the law and the prophets. Over time, through Scripture, uh, somebody's coming, somebody's here, somebody's coming back, speaking of Jesus. And I love, as uh, Tom Daggett mentioned, or uh, Mark Morse mentioned in class this morning, uh, the series The Chosen, who we've mentioned a couple of different times, the, the, the fact that um, in, in several of those instances, they run in face-to-face with Jesus, and they say, we have waited for you. We have been praying for you. You are here. And what a beautiful thing that is for them to realize. But God's righteousness is revealed in Jesus Christ. And it is witnessed by the law and the prophets. It it wasn't a surprise. It wasn't something that just popped up. Over time, God revealed it through the prophets and through the law. And it is through faith in Jesus Christ that we can have righteousness. Um, And there's no difference... And people because we have all sinned. I, I, it's kind of interesting, we used to, when you first learn about sin, the, the big sins are murder, adultery, lying, stealing, those things. Um, and then when Jesus breaks it down in, in Matthew, it reminds us that, you know, murder is also, hate is also murder. Uh, lying, and all those different things, we realize that we all have sin in our lives. Um, Both the Jew and Gentile, uh, both have been justified freely by God's grace. They are justified through redemption in Jesus's blood. Christ redeems us because God sent him forth as a propitiation by his blood. Through Christ, we have salvation, and God justifies us And so we have to meet, that means we must accept Jesus. We must accept what Jesus has done uh, for our salvation. We must accept the fact fact that Christ has commanded for our lives, that God has commands for us, a way to live our lives. We must accept that. And to tread on any other path is to seek self-justification. It's to seek what I want to do and the way I want to live. If I'm not following God's path, um, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by all things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Reminding us that Jesus was subject to, to God's will. So how can I be righteous? How can God be righteous? He is righteous because he is faithful. He is righteous because he is just. He is righteous because man is guilty, and he is righteous because he justifies our faith through Christ Jesus. Verses, uh, if you take a look at Romans chapter 3, verse 20, starting with verse 20, it says, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, uh, the law who become conscious, through the law we have become conscious of our sin. Verse 21 says, But now apart from the law of righteousness, God is." has been made known to the law of the prophets and testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between the Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. And he, de- uh, he did this to demonstrate his own righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so, that, uh, so as to be just and as the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So what does that mean for you and I? God justifies those who have faith in Jesus. God justifies them. And what does that mean? God accepts them. He knows them. Justification before God means acceptance of Jesus Christ. Accepting that Jesus lived, that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross so to, to take away your sin. And by being baptized into his death, you are then raised again to live that new life. And we must accept what Christ has done for our salvation. We have to accept again what he has commanded for our lives. And to, to go any other way would be completely wrong. <clears throat> so as we finish, how can God be righteous? How can God be righteous and we are not? He is righteous because he is faithful. He is righteous because he is just. He is righteous because man is guilty. And he is righteous because his, he justifies by faith in Christ Jesus. There was a, a picture that I saw as I was uh, looking around for things. And I thought, it, uh, I thought it had a pretty good statement that I, I should have put on there, but I did not. Um, the statement is this. We do not have to become perfect to become a child of God we start simply with acknowledging that we are far from it. We do not have to become perfect to become a child of God. We start with simply acknowledging that we are far from it. We are far from perfect. We are far from what God wants us to be. But thanks be to God for that great, beautiful gift that he gave us, that we could have righteousness through Jesus, that we could be made righteous and that we should seek that daily. We should seek God daily and put all the other things aside and let him rule in our lives. That's our purpose and that's who we are and that's what we're about. And I hope, I hope that you've kind of picked up on these things that we can't do it by ourselves. There is no, nobody, nobody worthy. Nobody. Except for Jesus, who God chose to give his life as a sacrifice for you and I. And what do you and I do with that gift? Do we accept that gift, that purification of our sins through baptism, through God's grace, and live each day for him? Or do we hide? Do we hide and just try to be good among ourselves? I saw Charlie Yates, who some of you know, had something yesterday that he posted on Facebook and it was the gates of heaven and uh, they were inviting people in they were inviting people in and uh, they stopped a gentleman and said uh um you you just watched church on tv you didn't really live it you didn't go and sacrifice for christ you just you watch church on tv so you get to watch heaven on tv (laughs) and i as i read that i was like that's a That's an interesting picture, not only for those who who choose not to attend or who can't attend, and we understand that, but if we just watch Christianity and not live it, we're missing the opportunity that God wanted us to have, to be a light in the world, to accept his righteousness and try to share that with the world around us. So you and I have a great responsibility to be that light to the world around us. Are you going to mess up? Am I going to mess up? Absolutely. Absolutely. But does God's grace cover that? Absolutely. And that's how we need to live, in the great, with the grace of mercy of God. If you have need to respond to the gospel today, if you have not become a Christian, if you're not living that life that you need to, uh, you certainly have realized that you can't do it on your own. You certainly realize that you need God. And I hope that you make that decision to, to accept Christ and God's love and forgiveness, become a child of God. If you're in the, if you're in the struggle, if you're on the struggle and, and battling what you need to do and keeping that perspective clear, keeping your eyes on Jesus, talk with some people and get, get yourself encouraged. Um, I, I was so encouraged this morning, uh, Morgan, Morgan Pogue, stopped me out there and asked me how I was doing what can I do to help you what can I you know thank you for what you do and and I I was like thank you thank you I appreciate that and I I think we all need to be more like that but if there are things that you need help with or encouraged with please please make that known to a brother or sister in Christ one of the leaders or, or ministers here we would love to be an encouragement to you If you'd like to make any of that known publicly, let it it be known while we stand and sing.